welcome to the teaching ministry of Magnolias First. For more information, visit www.magnoliasfirst.org. What a joy it is to worship with all of you today, those who are watching and worshiping online and those here in the worship center on the lower floor and in the balcony. I'm just so glad to be able to be with you to teach the Word of God today as we continue in our series, When God Walked Among Us. Uh, Looking in John's Gospel, chapter 6 through 9, at the time that God came to earth as a human being and walked on planet earth that he created among men and women whom he created. Uh, What an incredible time in human history for God to be in human form. And so we're seeing episodes from Jesus' earthly ministry. And uh, last week, we looked at the beginning of chapter 8, at the woman caught in the act of adultery and how the Pharisees tried to use her uh, as a pawn to entrap Jesus and discredit him before the people, but how Jesus was uh, so powerfully uh, engaged with uh, with the woman and the the people and the Pharisees were just rendered uh, just word words failed them. They had nothing to say. They dropped their stones and walked away. It was a powerful scene last week. I hope that if you weren't able to be with us, uh, that you'll go back and, and listen. And over the past few weeks, Jesus has portrayed himself with powerful images, uh, the bread of life, and then last week, the living water. But today, he introduces to us the most powerful image yet, that he is the light of the world. Uh, And as we hear that, the light of the world, I want us to understand that we need to not just think of that in a global way, but it's also a very personal image. And you'll see that as we unfold uh, this part of chapter 8 today. Uh, Well, this Tuesday morning, this past Tuesday morning, I had an interesting experience Uh, I have been a part of a a men's prayer group here at our church for more than 25 years. It meets every Tuesday morning at 6 uh, a.m. Any of you men would be welcome to join us. Uh, But this past Tuesday morning, I was running just a little bit late. And so I was coming from my home on the east side of the community, and I was coming into town uh, at the speed limit. Well, maybe a little bit faster. But uh, anyway, as I came into town and I passed the -the jack-in-the-box, suddenly I noticed that none of the businesses had lights at all. In fact, there were no street lights. It was like I drove into a black hole. And uh, though I had headlights, it so disoriented me that I drove right past the entrance to the church campus And I think I would have driven all the way across the railroad tracks, but thankfully there was a a police car there with their lights going, so I was able to turn and I got my bearings at the new cultural landmark in Magnolia, the Whataburger. 
and was able to get myself reoriented and, and found my place here on the campus in time for the prayer meeting. But it was a darkness in our town like I have not seen in the 30 years that we have lived here. And I had to stop and think, how much greater is the darkness in our nation and in our culture spiritually today? And that's what Jesus is going to talk about. And that in that darkness, he is the light of the world. And our big idea is he is our light in a very dark world. So as we resume the narrative in John chapter 8, Jesus uh, was not trapped by the Pharisees' attempt with the woman caught in the act of adultery. So now the Pharisees turn to a completely different strategy, and that's a head-on confrontation with Jesus over who Jesus is. And there in John 8, there is the record of an epic spiritual battle of light against darkness. And in order for us to fully enter into the narrative, I think it's important for us to get a bit of a vision of, of the setting that day, both physically and spiritually. To understand where Jesus was as he was teaching that day, and then to understand a bit of what the people who were present there were seeing as Jesus taught. We get a, a hint to his location in the 20th verse of John 8. And if you have your Bibles, I hope that you have them open to John 8, but if you don't have your Bible with you, not to worry, all the verses will be uh, provided from the New Living Translation from which I'm teaching on the screen. So that 20th verse says, Jesus made these statements while he was teaching in the section of the temple known as the treasury. But he was not arrested because his time had not yet come. And we said a couple of weeks ago the word translated time there is kairos, and it means the divinely appointed time. And so the time for his arrest had not yet come in the plan of God for our redemption. That would come later, but it had not yet come. So there Jesus was in the section of the temple known as the treasury. Well, here's the setting there. The, that small area was a part of a bigger section of the temple known as the court of the women. And here's why it was called that. In their male-dominated culture, there were some places, in fact, most places in the temple that women were not allowed to gather and to be taught by the rabbis. Uh, and, and as odd as that seems to us, that was their patriarchal culture and even a part of their religious practice. But in this area of the temple, both men and women could gather, and that's where Jesus often taught, because with Jesus, there is no preferential treatment from one gender to the other. He loves all. And so there in the court of the women, he was teaching and and sharing the truth from God. And the, the setting was that it was during the 
the Feast of the Tabernacles, or as it's called in the New Living, the Festival of Shelters. And during this great religious celebration of the Jews, the priests would have erected four giant lampstands. And at sundown, they would have young men climb up upon ladders and they would light these enormous oil lamps. And from these four gigantic lamps, the temple was flooded with light, even the area around the temple. And it was a reminder to the Jews of the pillar of fire that their ancestors had followed. And it would be over the tabernacle, that mobile structure of worship that they would take with them as they made their way through the wilderness guided by the pillar of fire. And so this was a memorial, a reminder to that pillar of fire. And it was in that blazing backdrop that Jesus unveils the most profound image yet of who he is. Verse 12. Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. They understood that the pillar of fire led their ancestors through the wilderness, through the, the darkness. And they also understood that, that in their present lives on that day, they greatly needed a spiritual light, for they lived in the darkness of being Jewish people in the first century under Roman rule. And how great was their darkness. But though that was true for them in that day, it is even more true for us today. We need the light because walking in the light shows us the way through the darkness. And a person today in the darkness of the spiritual culture in which we live that tries to make their own way apart from Jesus, apart from the light, will stumble and fall again and again. And so that day when Jesus said, I am the light of the world, the Pharisees understood the kind of claim he was making that Jesus was claiming to be divine, that he was claiming to be of God. And they pushed back hard, saying he had no right to make such a claim, verses 13 and 14. The Pharisees replied, you are making these claims about yourself. Such testimony is not valid. Now that last sentence in verse 13 doesn't capture the, the passion and the anger of their rebuke and response. They're basically saying, you have no right to make that kind of claim. That's not right. You're a fake. You're a fraud. Verse 14, Jesus told them, these claims are valid even though I make them about myself. For I know where I came from and where I'm going. But you don't know this about me. You see, they thought they knew Jesus. 
They thought they knew he was just a man from Galilee. They thought they knew he was the carpenter's son, a man named Joseph. But you see, Joseph had likely died by this time. The last time we saw Joseph in the biblical narrative was when Jesus was 12 years old and he taught that day at the temple. You remember that? There's no mention of Joseph after that in the scriptures. And though Joseph was so vital in the story of the nativity of Jesus' birth, there's, there's no record of him past that day when Jesus was 12. And so many biblical scholars through the years have believed that Joseph had died by that time. Perhaps the Pharisees knew that, and they intended what they would say next as a cruel insult. Verse 19. Where is your father? They asked. Jesus answered, Since you don't know who I am, you don't know who my father is. If you knew me, you would also know my father. And we understand he was talking about his heavenly father, his true father, but they were so confused and antagonistic and angry, they didn't know how blind they were. Think about it. They had God in human form standing face to face with them, and they couldn't see. That's what spiritual darkness does. Walking in darkness means you reject who Jesus is. And by the way, you don't have to be anti-Jesus to reject Jesus. There are people who just think, I'm just not interested. I'm not very religious. I'm just not into that, that whole church thing. And they just live their life as if it just, none of it mattered. Jesus is a nothing in their mind. And can I tell you that you can sleep through sermons, you can just decide that life is is not spiritual. You, you can ignore Jesus, but that's the same as rejecting him. And those who ignore Jesus will be just as lost on Judgment Day as the worst sinner you can imagine. Well, in verse 21... Jesus said to them again, I'm going away. You will search for me, but will die in your sin. You cannot come where I'm going. Now, this really confused and disoriented the people and the Pharisees. In verse 22, the people asked, is he planning to commit suicide? What does he mean, you cannot come where I'm going? And the Pharisees, who were supposed to be people who understood the things of God, who understood spiritual issues, who understood earth and heaven, they should have understood what he was saying, that Jesus was talking about his coming ascension when he would return to heaven, when he would go back to his true Father. But they didn't. Verse 23, Jesus continued, You are from below. I am from above. You belong to this world. I do not. That is why I said that you will die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am who I claim to be, you will die 
in your sins. What a powerful message from Jesus to the people listening that day and to people in our day to say you need to open your eyes. You need to see the light for if you live your life here on earth walking in darkness, it will lead to darkness forever. For walking in darkness leads to sin and death. But there were those that day who did believe. And at this point, Jesus turns away from the Pharisees and to those who believe. Look at verse 31. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You know, the whole idea of believing as the path to heaven is such a subjective thing. It's such a a, a hard-to-define issue. And Jesus is saying there are evidences of what it means to believe. He said, if you remain faithful to my teachings, then... The truth will set you free. You won't walk in spiritual darkness. You won't be spiritually blind. Walking in the light produces faithfulness. It produces commitment. It produces freedom. That's the life Jesus was offering that day. That's the life he is still offering today. And the Pharisees who were supposed to understand spiritual things heard all of this but they still didn't understand, verse 27. They still didn't understand that he was talking about his father. So Jesus said, when you have lifted up the Son of Man on the cross, then you will understand that I am he. How sad was that? The Pharisees were Jews, God's chosen people. They had studied the Scriptures. They had read the book of Isaiah and other places in the Old Testament that prophesied about Jesus. They all pointed to Him, but they couldn't see it. And Jesus said to them in verse 37, Yes, I realize that you are descendants of Abraham, and yet some of you are trying to kill me because there's no room in your hearts for my message. By the way, that's a good question for us to ask. Is there room in our heart for his message? And a, a, a back shelf on the bottom of the case is not where Jesus' place needs to be. It needs to be where his light can shine in us and through us so he can guide our life, so his words can come to to reality in our lives. Verse 47, anyone who belongs to God listens gladly to the words of God, but you don't listen because you don't belong to God. Well, the Pharisees reacted angrily to that. Their hostility began uh, as a, a burning ember. Now it's in, in a blazing fire. And in verses 48 through 52, if we had time to read those verses, they called Jesus a Samaritan demon. 
and they angrily ask him, who do you think you are? Because their minds were closed. People today still have closed minds to Jesus because that's what walking in darkness does. It closes your mind to the truth. Oh, but the good news of this episode in Jesus' ministry is it doesn't have to be that way. The glorious good news of the gospel is that anyone who will can turn to the light of Jesus by faith. And what a promise in verse 51. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, anyone who obeys my teaching will never die. Never die. Walking in the light leads to eternal life. The Pharisees were trying to hang on to the fact that they were descendants of Abraham, the father of the Jewish nation, as if that would somehow secure them a place in heaven. And Jesus told them in verse 58, I tell you the truth, before Abraham was born, I am. Jesus is the one. But when the Pharisees heard this, Verse 59, at that point they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus was hidden from them and left the temple. The battle for that day was over, but the war would rage on. We'll pick up the conflict again next week. So as we look back at, at our episode today, what are the truths that that we can draw from it that really matters spiritually. Let me share two or three quickly. First of all, we see that Jesus is God's Son and our only hope for eternal life. Our only hope. If you listen to Oprah Winfrey or John Travolta, they'll tell you there are other ways to God besides Jesus. and Don't believe it. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Jesus is God's Son and our only hope for eternal life. And so because that's true, here's the personal reality. Everyone must make a choice about Jesus. To believe in Him and receive Him or to reject Him or ignore Him. You have to make a choice. And as I said earlier, some people think, well, I can just kind of not pay any attention. I can just ignore it. That whole thing doesn't interest me, and I'll be just fine. But to ignore Jesus is to reject him. And the reason that's so important that everyone must make a choice is because what you decide about Jesus determines where you spend eternity. It's not your morality. It's not being a patriotic American. It's not having some kind of religious label. I hear people say, well, I'm a good Baptist, or I'm a good Lutheran, or I'm a good Catholic. Listen, in eternity, we won't even remember those labels. The only thing that makes the difference is what you decide about Jesus. That's why we know John 3.16 better than any other verse in the Bible. For this is how God loved the world. He gave His one and only Son 
so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. And when you believe, then you do not have to be judged for your sin because he took the judgment. He took the penalty. Verse 18, there is no judgment against anyone who believes in him, but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only Son. So how do you do that? Just in case there's somebody here or somebody watching online or somebody listening to the podcast who has never stepped across the line of faith to trust Jesus as Savior and Lord, I want to make it as easy and simple and clear as I can with the three most important words that I'll say today. The first is admit. Admit you're a sinner. Admit that you cannot save yourself. Admit that you need to turn from your sin. Admit that Jesus and Jesus only can save you. Admit that you're a sinner in need of grace. The second word is that word believe. Believe in Jesus. Believe that he is the Son of God. Believe that he died on the cross to pay for your sin. Believe that he can save you. Believe that he loves you. And the third and last word is simply receive. You can't earn it. You can't achieve it. You must receive it as God's gift of grace. If you've never done that, we urge you with all our heart to step across the line of faith and receive Jesus and begin to walk in the light. For he is our light in a very dark world. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you that you loved us so much that you would send Jesus from the glory and splendor of heaven to the darkness and gloom and sin of this earth because you loved us and you wanted us to be reconciled to you. Thank you for what Jesus did for us and that he became for us the light of the world. We praise you, and we give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen.